Ah, the Midway, one of the hearts of the fair. The rides, the food, the games, the sights, the sounds, the excitement. We're going to go inside the Midway on this edition of All's Fair with the man who owns the Wade Show's Midway at the Great New York State Fair. That's today on All's Fair. When you think of the New York State Fair, what comes to mind? The rides? The food? The animals? This podcast takes you behind the scenes of all of those to the amazing stories hiding underneath. Welcome to All's Fair. So when you come to the fair, maybe one of the things that you want to do more than anything else is check out the rides, check out the midway. Every fair everywhere has a midway, but none has a midway like the Great New York State Fair. And no fair has a midway like ours because no fair has Frank Zajacek. Frank, <laughs> hi Frank. Frank. Hey Dave, how are you today? I'm good. Now Frank uh, runs, he owns Wade Shows. That's the carnival operator. They do lots of fairs. Uh, ours is, it's not even the biggest on your calendar, even though we're number one in your hearts, of course. Um, but, but, it's a, but it's a big one with 90 rides and such. So everybody knows what a Midway is, but how does someone like you get to be a Midway operator? Nobody grows up saying, Mommy, someday I want to own a Midway and spend millions of dollars on rides. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, you're, you're, you're right. Actually, uh, first of all, thanks for all the kind words. Uh, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. And That's when right. we hear those kind of things... Uh, it makes us feel good, and it empowers us to do the best we can do. But yep. I think the big key to my success has been I have passion, and I care about what I do, and I feel like the Carnival Midway is an extension of who Frank Zajac is. But that goes all the way back to uh, I didn't grow up to want to be a carnival owner. I actually wanted to be a football coach, but those guys got bigger and faster <laughs> in college, and I just got bigger. So... Uh, Back when I played football, every football coach that I knew um, played four years of college football, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that in Division One, maybe Division Two. But at any rate, I told my mom and dad, much to their dismay, that I was going to be in the carnival business because they were game operators. And um, in doing so, uh, I was partners with my dad for three years, and then he said, I love you as a son. I don't much care for you as a partner. And uh, um, um, you go your way and I'll go my way. There's a message. And so anyway, I was 10 years as a business manager for one of the largest traveling uh, railroad shows in the United States. And then I bought my own carnival in 1981. When you start a carnival, what do you start a carnival with? Like five rides, 10 rides, 50? Well, I bought an existing carnival. I played uh -huh. uh, quite a bit in the state of Michigan. And so I was familiar with that state, and I was familiar with uh, the carnival operators. And, uh, and I bought Wade shows. Glenn Wade and Red Wood were the owners of, the, of that show. And it was 33 rides, played exclusively the state of Michigan. Of course, I was, they were finished in mid-September. I was always used to work until November. So my goal was to get bigger, better, stronger, tougher, faster. And uh, over time, with slow increments, we did that. Today, we play in 14 different states. We play more state fairs uh, and major events than any family-owned carnival in America. Uh, we're real proud of that. You know, when I was doing my presentation here, you know, I kind of uh, tried to uh, set our credibility with the dates that we played, and I listed them all off, and I made some uh, 
some statements like, you know, we're the carnival of the, the 2000s. And uh, your acting general manager, uh, Troy Waffner, said to me, how'd you do that? I said, heck if I know. <laughs> but actually, but actually, I did know. And, and, and you mentioned rides. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's a big component of that. But the backdrop of how you locate those rides and what other amenities that you offer to your customers is one of the things, besides the rides that nobody else has, like the RC48 that's the second largest coaster uh, in America, and it's a speed coaster, and, and the, uh, the, the Mighty Mouse, which is, uh, 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 there's only three spinning coasters of this size that travel in the United States. Besides all that, I think the big thing is uh, is your presentation and your customer amenities, and and I believe we really excel at those. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned just a minute ago um, placement. Placement's part of it. How do you set up, you know, uh, a multi-acre area for maximum enjoyment and and for what you need, maximum profit generation? Well, you know, that's a great question, and I don't know how much of that is instinct and how much of it is experience. Uh, but I think the combination of instinct, experience, and not doing a job just to get it done, but getting a job to make it look as good as it can and uh, have as much curb appeal, if you will, as you can, uh, as you can, uh, as you can muster. And I think that's what we do. In fact, uh, my one of my future son-in-laws uh, and I were riding around first time he's been here just now, and I kind of gave him the the backdrop of how we uh, made a proposal here and the, the aerials that I studied from the previous carnival and the, the changes that I wanted to make. And then we made a lot of changes the first year and everybody was really happy, but as the saying goes, you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so do you set these things up to have a certain flow? I mean, do you want people to go through an experience or how do you, inf how do you set this up to influence well, people to take the rides? You know, there's one line of thinking in, in, in the carnival industry that, that people are like cattle and you, you, you guide them where you want to go and you don't give them much space and you kind of, uh, you kind of uh, shuttle them through the different places that you want them to go. We have a little different philosophy. And our philosophy is people are not cattle. <laughs> they want to go where they want to go, not where you want to send them. So when we lay out a midway, we, we try to lay it out as with as wide aisleways as we possibly can. And in the case here at the Michigan State Fair, since, thank goodness, the governor's office and, and, and the powers that be uh, uh, helped get an allocation of capital improvement money. And we got a new footprint yep. the very second year that we were there. And that allowed us to make the walkway 75 foot wide, put more customer relation uh, stands up, do a lot more things. We had a lot more flexibility with space and room. So to answer your question, yeah, we want them to, we want them to get where they want to go. And once they're in that area, like say for instance, if you're a family with two small children, you know, you don't want to walk around the uh, the Himalayas and the music rides and things like that. You want to go to an area that's more family oriented, mm -hmm. and and that's what we do. We we separate the children's area. We make sure that there's plenty of seating there. We make sure that there's a baby changing station in that area, and we make wide aisleways and uh, shaded area. You know, that's an interesting point because when you first came here, uh, we had that semi-triangular midway that wrapped around the old track 
um, and that was like 400 feet wide on one end and 40 feet wide on the other, which must have posed some really fascinating challenges in terms of trying to set that up to meet the standards that you wanted it to meet. It, it really did. In a, in a lot of cases, as I understand it, um, you're exactly right. It was 400 feet at one end and yeah. 40 foot at the <laughs> other end, you know, give or take uh, a few feet. But at the 40-foot end, that was more the entrance to the midway, and, and uh, as concessionaires would tell me, that was the best space. Mm. And, and so I think what had happened in the past, from the pressure of everybody wanting to go up at the 40-foot end, it, it made it even more congested than it was. And so we resisted that urge, and, and we, stepped over, uh, we stepped over dollars there mm -hmm. to, for, for uh, for a, a better feel and a better presentation, and it paid it, it paid dividends because more people could come in, they could get in easier, and uh, those concessionaires that were all the way in the front, they weren't quite in the front, but yet they still had good locations, and folks had to get to them anyway. And, and the funny thing is, you know, you mentioned wide aisles and the theory of make those aisles tight so that people are right butt up against the, the things that you want to sell them. And we, we heard that after we renovated and had all this new space, we heard some of that from our, our food vendors and such, that the aisles were too wide, that people weren't close enough to like smell the food or whatever. Um, but it didn't seem to hurt what people were spending according to our survey. So, you know, the, the money seemed to be still going somewhere. I assume that when you got more space, you could see an immediate impact on, on, on bottom line. Well, the <laughs> we made, you know, we not only made uh, changes to the physical plant, but we made uh, our business plan called for change in pricing and promotions and things of that sort. So um, uh, Troy Waffner, um, he's, he's a great manager, and as you are a great public relations guy well, and, and marketing guy. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to work with folks like you. Thank you. I'll and, pay you after the show. And Troy. But in one of my conversations with Troy, I said, you know, here's what I'd like to do. What if we did wristbands every day rather than just on Tuesday and Thursdays? And he said, I like that. He said, we've had comments that people would like that, but we were under the impression that you only could use them on certain days. So we made wristbands available every day. We priced them a little differently during the weekdays and the weekends. And we also offered them an advanced sale. But the other thing that we did, we looked at Labor Day, and we saw that Labor Day was a very, very soft day, and it shouldn't be as soft as it was. No. So what we did is we proposed to Troy a dollar day. And... Uh, he had the courage to say, yes, I like it. And my golly, what a what a record day that was. Between dollar admission and dollar rides. I mean, you had to shut off the rides early, didn't you? Or not shut off the lines We, we early. did. We did. Uh, they Dave, got so before, big. Before we, uh, before we um, um, got the contract here, uh, the decision was already made to close at 9 o'clock on uh, Monday night. And, and by doing so, so we were... We were mandated to close at 9 o'clock on Monday night. Well, at 6.30 at night, it was very clear to us that, that there was going to be some disgruntled customers if we didn't shut off ticket sales then because the lines were so long that uh, everybody was not going to get full value if, if, we, if we sold uh, 30 minutes before we, we closed. So we shut ticket sales off at 6.30 at night. Uh, imagine that. That's the first time <laughs> in my life I ever did anything like that. But it worked out okay. And the next year we had a little bit of a pushback uh, 
from appeal just because the lines were so doggone line, but it's long. But, but it's kind of evened out now, and now we have a big, big day. It's a great value for those that want to uh, want to come out on that last day uh, before school starts, or I don't even know if it starts. I, I think some schools start here uh, earlier than uh, than Labor Day. Yeah, uh, the colleges do. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we, we get a great day out of it. And, and so pricing promotions are also important. Sure. Uh, so rides, obviously, you got to have the rides because if if you set the if you set the trap, so to speak, and and uh, once they get there, there's nothing that they that has appealed to them. It's no good. Right. But if you have rides, and then you have customer midway, uh, amenities and presentation, and then if you have pricing and, and specials that the, that uh, your customers want, that's a winning combination. And then you put it with you guys because we're just one component of it. And mm -hmm. one of the things that makes the New York State Fair so great is we're you're just not a glorified carnival. You have so many different components that makes this fair one of the best fairs in the United States. And I can say that with authority because you're right, we play a lot of great fairs. I don't know how you really measure how great a fair is. Do you measure it by, by attendance, by revenue, or by things that that, that, that fair offers to the, their, their customers? Right. And I think in, in your case, you got the whole package. You know, I'm fortunate. Nice. I play the Florida State Fair. I play the South Florida Fair, which is as large as the Florida State Fair, the Delaware State Fair, of course, the New York State Fair, the Missouri State Fair, Nebraska State Fair, Oklahoma State Fair, Alabama National Fair, uh, North Carolina State Fair. So, you know, we, we play a pretty good cross-section of, uh, of, of major events. So what's it like to run a business that has no permanent home, where you're always <laughs> on the road? Well, you know, it... it uh, I think it just evolves, just like people's lives, you know. I mean, did I think I'd be where I'm at right now uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Right. I might have, you know, that saying, careful what you wish for, you might get it, you know. I mean, when I was a kid, carnivals uh, opened up uh, maybe on Memorial Day and uh, and maybe went to mid-October. You know, we opened up the middle of January at one of the largest fairs in the United States, the South Florida Fair in West Palm. And we, we, we play a major, major route before a lot of carnivals even come out of the barn. And we can put you in our expo center now. It's 90 feet tall. You could run a carnival all winter if you want. You We're, could never have a break. <laughs> we would just no vacation for you. You know, you know, we could. We have actually done that in the past. We we've uh, we played the Pontiac Silver Do Dome indoors. Oh, mm -hmm. We played the Georgia Dome indoors. Um, a couple of other uh, lesser venues. Uh, and it definitely has a place. It just doesn't fit our business uh, plan anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give you the winter up here I hear in that. Syracuse. You can, you, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go to the South Florida Fair and stay, there with, you go. I'll stay with you. And there's uh, a lot of educational <laughs> benefit to that fair. That's nice. I mean, we, you know, you, you are on the road most of your life. That's got to take, it's got to be a hard thing to try to raise a family on the road. And yet, you've got your family with you in the business, at least some members of your family. Well, that's, you know, thanks for... For pointing that out, I, I I do. You know, I'd I'd like the Wade Shows to be a multi-generational company, and and we've done a lot of things that I'm really proud of. Uh, we're not all done with that. I got a couple more. We're not we're not finished dreaming. You know, <laughs> we got a couple more dreams uh, that we want to check off before before. Uh, like what? Oh, there's uh, <laughs> what, what is a what is a carnival spot? operator dream when he dreams? 
Well, <laughs> you, you know, I think at first it was it was dreaming of playing locations like the New York State Fair. Mm -hmm. In fact, last night we went to uh, Dinosaur Barbecue. Mm -hmm. After we got, we that's worked, a good call. Yeah, we, we worked till dark. But yeah. I'd never been at the location. I had I had the 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 barbecue here on, on the fairgrounds, but I never had it at the. I never went to the the, the original store, and I went there and a, and a light bulb went off with me. You know, it was kind of deja vu, because because 14 years ago, I made a complimentary visit to the New York State Fair when when you had put out an RFP. And we got a tour of the fairgrounds, and then the people that brought us here took us to Dinosaur Barbecue. And I didn't really remember that till I went. So 14 years ago, I had lunch there, and, and I was considering making a proposal. That time I didn't make a proposal uh, for the fair, but I was considering it. And as we were eating dinner last night, my daughter and future son-in-law and, uh, and a fellow named Jimmy Danton, who's been with me since he's 16, and another lifelong friend, Mike Thomas, uh, and I said, you know, who would have thought 14 years ago that we'd be eating here tonight after laying out the lot all day at the uh, New York State Fair? So, you know, I, I guess I wish for a lot of those things. One of the things, if I was just a businessman, the thing that I'd want most, it doesn't matter how big of a location you play or how much revenue you gross, because you have to fit your expenses in line with your revenue. And I think if there's two things that I'd like to accomplish between, besides just having a bigger, better show each year, as you guys are doing, man, that mm -hmm. Expo Center is something special, huge. isn't it? It's huge <laughs> and it's beautiful, too. It's going to be a great addition. Every yeah. year that I come here, you know, this might be, what, how old are you, 100 and some years, 40 years old? Or oh, some crazy we're heading for 170-something. Like oh, my gosh. But in the last three or four years, I feel like the New York State Fair, or the great New York State Fair, is going through some of the things that I went through 10 years ago. You're getting bigger and better mm -hmm. every single year. And so I just got to I just gotta uh, hope to keep up with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you were about to tell me what you were dreaming, though. You, so, you, you got to sidetrack. <laughs> you you sidetracked yourself that. again. I, well, I, well I, did, I, I have a habit of doing that, Dave. I, I uh, there. I grew up in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. So I grew up around the Dade County Youth Fair. And it, it's a major event. In fact, I remember when I was in college, I looked out on my balcony and I could see the fair in the background. And I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, someday I'd like to play that. And uh, that's been one of my goals. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm getting closer and closer to that. I mean, I mean there's another carnival, which is a fine carnival, nothing, uh, you know, nothing discourteous about them. but. I'm hoping that uh, in a year or two that I'll, I'll get a chance to at least make a proposal. And sure. I'm, I'm pretty confident in our abilities, and I'm pretty confident in my ability to, to uh, communicate what we can do bigger, better, faster, and taller. Sure. And so that's one of my goals. There's another date uh, out in the southwest that I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to play. So I'd like to do those two things mm -hmm. for dreaming. And... Uh, and the other thing is to have a consistent route of, uh, of major event, major event, major event with one unit. We operate three carnivals. so Right. You're, you're going in three places at once sometimes. We are. It, when it, you're playing the New York State Fair, who else are you playing? Well, we're playing the Nebraska State Fair. Mm -hmm. 
and we're playing Santa Caligandes, which is in Independence, Missouri, which is um, a, a three or four day festival, really good festival. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one that I've never been to. It's amazing. But <laughs> we've been playing it for 15, 20 years, but I've always had other places to go. I, I kind of, I, I used to have my unit, uh, 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 a unit that Jimmy Danton had and a unit that my son Gary had. Uh, but now I go to all three. I don't even think my unit's my unit anymore. I just go like, like this week, I'm on Jimmy Danton's unit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we play many dates. That, and when we got this contract, we had one more date, too. We had, we had Nebraska, New York, Santa Caligon Days, and, um, and Cookville, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, I want to get to talking about the rides in terms of what people can expect, but I, it just it just impresses the living daylights out of me that a business like yours, when you talk about inventory, each piece of inventory is at least a seven-figure item. But there's a lot. <laughs> right? I don't know about each piece is seven. But a lot of them are. Figure. A lot of them are indeed. Uh, I, I just, uh, along with a partner, Michael Wood, uh, we formed a company, Biggest Wheel LLC, and, and we purchased the largest portable observation wheel in, uh, in North America. Wow. A- and that, that piece of equipment, we have three and a half million in that. And if we were to sell it today, we would, wouldn't take a penny less than four million for it. <laughs> I can't imagine making the business decision to purchase that. Because the risk is there, right? I mean, there's a certain, you think it's going to be fine. You know your business. But still, a check for three and a half mil right out of the bank, that's got to be a fun discussion. Well, it was for my wife. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. That's for yeah. sure. Well, we were pretty confident. We put a performer together, and, and we had some contracts uh, uh, already uh, a verbal uh, um, a verbal deal, just had to com- commit it to paper. And uh, we were actually thinking about buying a second one. And if we do ever get that second one, it, it'll come to the New York State Fair. Right well, now, okay. the one that we have plays the Minnesota State I'll give Fair. you 20 bucks towards it right now. There you go. <laughs> well, what happened with us, we were, we were looking to, to do it for this season. But we yeah. couldn't get enough commitments uh, to, to put that route together. And so it just... Uh, it just didn't make any sense because the one thing that none of the fairs that I play nor my wife would like is to, to buy something and and, uh, and have to take money out of our pockets to make the payments. So we didn't do that yet. Gosh, what a business decision. So from the fairgoers' perspective, what's happening at the Midway this year? What, uh, what can we expect? Well... Um, I think you can expect the things that we that we t- we talked about uh, presentation, um, promotions, and rides. Uh, I, I think maybe w- we'd want to point out that uh, um, we brought the Mighty Mouse back after a two-year hiatus. Has been other places. So by popular demand, in fact, uh, Gene Ann on uh, on the fair staff said that's my favorite ride, Frank. <laughs> and I said, well, if it's your favorite, Gene Ann, I want to bring it back. So. Uh, the, okay. the Mighty Mouse is back, mm-hmm. and uh, we brought uh, uh, a family ride called uh, the Beach Shack, which is uh, is is one of my favorite family rides. Uh, uh, it's not been here before, and so we've all, we've we've rotated some uh, uh, some rides in and out. Why is it your favorite? Uh, well, because it's so unique. It's the only one in the United States that we're the only guys that have it in the United States. The other ones that I've seen have been at uh, amusement parks, mm-hmm. and they were themed uh, 
they were themed Barnstormer. Mm-hmm. And because uh, instead of a beach shack that was the vehicle, it was like a barn. And, and the barn theme, uh, it ra- raises up and it, it, it simulates going through a tornado, kind of. Oh, so dear. So it, it goes in a circle <laughs> and it shakes back and forth. But it's not too much for the family. Right? I mean, I'd do it. And if I'd do it, anybody could do it, you know. <laughs> I like rides that don't spin and make you sick. Well, usually the words family ride and tornado don't tend to go in yeah. the same sense. Well, I, that was probably a poor choice of, of how to explain it. But, but really, I think that's what they were trying to simulate is, is a barn or a beach shack being picked up by a tornado and getting caught in that yeah. uh, funnel wind. Yeah. Okay. Listen, Frank, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy getting things laid out and going from fair to fair, but we really appreciate it, and it's, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks. <laughs> well, you're, you're easy to talk to. You, well. you serve me up softballs, and I try to hit them <laughs> out of the infield. Well, that's good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you hit them. Well, you, this is not soft. You're a football player. I, you're a football player. I was. I threw you nice soft passes, and you caught them. Yeah, there you there go. You go. But right. I also played softball, too. Did you really? Yeah, I, I did. In fact, I coached softball, too. <laughs> you should coach me. I was horrible at it. <laughs> Frank Sychek, thank you so much. Thanks for appearing today on All's Fair, the New York State Fair podcast. I'm Dave Bullard, and thanks for listening. We will see you at the fair and at the Midway.